I want me some glory hope. Oh yeah! Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to episode three of the I Mean It podcast. Whether you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, SoundCloud, or watching this on our YouTube channel, as it is a video podcast, we thank each and every glory hole seeker for tuning in this week. I am your host, Bo Sivas, and I am solo on this project. Uh, sorry, Longhorn can't be with us, uh, guys. He was diagnosed with a cleft asshole, um, which some of you already know is the slang term for. Uh, Playing for the visitors, so we say. Or if you want to use a technical term, he's officially been classified with what the medical field would call a uh, fairy fluffer. I think that's the actual medical term. Or for those of you who uh, hablo espanol, I believe the medical term in Spanish is el bato bandito. Pretty sure that's right. Now, it's not because of you know his newfound condition that we wouldn't let him on the show. As you guys know, we here at FGH pass no judgment, right? We love all races, religions, uh, creeds, and sexual orientations. We pass no judgment about anyone, about anything. Except probably if you do teasers on college football. And you're just kind of special. You're special kind of stupid. <laughs> oh my god. But really, the reason why Longhorn's not here is because of uh, he's off exploring his newfound sexual freedom with pretty much every Johnny-come-lately with a wandering eye. And now some of you may be wondering, is he a top? Is he a bottom? I don't know. You know, I haven't had a chance to ask him, but I haven't known the man his whole life, so I would assume that being the generous, right, man that he is, I'm sure he takes as well as he gives, you know. that's. But anyway, if you're single... Fellas, uh, you know, hit him up. He's single and he's ready to mingle. So just email him, lh at thefootballgloryhole.com. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure he'll get back to you on that. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry. I just had a vision of, like, him getting all these random messages from all these single gay guys about wanting to hook up. And he's like, what the fuck service did I get drunk and sign up? <laughs> Oh my god. Hey! It's me. It's Bo Sivas. I'm here to talk to you. Let's get into the podcast, shall we? Alright, the purpose of this podcast is uh, we wanted to dispel a myth about Super Bowl losers. Uh, we wanted to shed some light on who does have success the next year and why. We wanted to kind of show the makeup from a DVOA perspective on what wins Super Bowls. And along the way, go over... Some of next year's odds and show you which ones are for suckers and which ones, you know, are actually good value bets and which ones we actually like. Um, but before we get into any of that, I'm going to take a minute to brag on our best bets on totals, you know, for this last season that we won. Because it's my fucking podcast, so why wouldn't I brag about the shit that we do good? Makes sense to me. Anyway, uh, New England, we had them under the nine and a half. This was the easiest call on the board for me. Uh, the team was average at best. Tom Brady obviously made them look like a, a lot better than they were. Cam can't play anymore. It's pretty easy, right? 
That was pretty easy under. Uh, side note on that, and one of my favorite stats that came out this last season, Tom Brady had 10 touchdown passes during the postseason. Cam had nine all season. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Houston, under 7.5. This is another easy one for us. They were an average team last year per power rankings. That was with DeAndre Hopkins, who, you know, I've heard people try to argue he's not the best receiver, but either way, one, two, whatever, he's he's one of the top three best receivers. There is no argument for that. So he leaves, so all they do is get worse. They were average to begin with. You know, Watson's really good. Sean Watson's really good, and there's a lot of talk about him moving, you know, different places. We'll get into that a little bit later. But all of his, you know, talent, which is you know, quite transcendent in several areas. It hasn't translated to wins, you know, er, you know, from a Vegas perspective on the field for sure. Um, and what I mean by that is the ATS. So remember we told you last offseason we did a deep dive into ATS and how everybody starts, you know, up here. You know, Matt Ryan started at 62%. Now he's at 45%. You know, after they take up so much of the salary cap, it's hard for quarterbacks to maintain success, right? And nobody has been immune to that except for Tom Brady. He's the only one, but he's also taken pay cuts his entire career. So he's kind of gained the system a little bit from that perspective. But to be a truly great quarterback from a Vegas perspective, you have to transcend average talent around you. So I don't want to hear that, oh, Houston doesn't have the players. Well, you know what? Tom Brady for his career is 60% ATS. And New England always hasn't had great players. I mean, look at 2019 New England. Not a great football team at all. Still had a winning record ATS. Winning, I think they won 12 games overall straight up. All right, Peyton Manning. He didn't always have great teams in Indy. All right, 57% career ATS. Drew Brees. He hasn't always had great teams in New Orleans. 56%. Patrick Mahomes so far, 57.5%. right. So if you're truly going to be great, you've got to perform against that level ATS. And remember, the reason why we use that as such a yardstick, or everyone should use it, they just don't, on quarterback performance is because that's against Vegas expectations. All right, Vegas knows Tom Brady's pretty good at football. I think after 20 years of him beating their ass, they figured it out. But still, 20 years later, they still cannot figure out how to handicap him good enough that he doesn't still kick the shit out of them. Year in and year out. He just went 3-1 and one ATS in the playoffs. 75%. So for every, you know, John, Dick, and Harry walking up the street, he's like, I like Tom Brady. Give me $100 on Tom Brady. Huh. They won three out of four fucking times. You don't think that doesn't chat Vegas' ass just a little bit? I promise you it fucking does, and they still can't do it 20 years later. That's fucking greatness. That's fucking greatness. And Watson for his career right now is 45% ATS. 45%. And this is during his rookie season. Like, man, after the rookie or rookie contract, sorry. After the rookie contract, that's when people fall off a cliff. Where the fuck is he going to fall to at 45 after 45%? Doesn't get much worse than that. Not not and remain a starter in the NFL. That's Jameis Winston territory. So he is great. But, again, it's not translating ATS, which historically means you don't stay a starter in this league for too long. Now, we'll see if he gets to go to another team, uh, which we'll talk about that on some futures here in a little bit. I hope he does. I hope he gets another chance. I hope that 
all of his talent gets to shine through at a better place, a better location. I truly do. I love watching the kid play. Uh, Cleveland, over the eight and a half is another one of our best bets. Actually, it's not. Our, this was all a Longhorn. Uh, I didn't hate the bet, but I didn't bet it. Uh, it was a great call by him. He had faith in his boy Baker. It paid off. Uh, but although early fade warning, we'll probably be taking the under on uh, Cleveland next year, just depending on what the market does in the upcoming months, because they barely finished above average as a football team in our power rankings, which means it should have been about eight and eight, nine wins at best. So either way, it was touch and go with it. We went off eight and a half. I think they ended up winning ten. So cleared it easily from a betting perspective, but they got a little bit lucky to do so. And then uh, my favorite best bet of ours that paid off was the over in Tampa Bay, nine and a half. That was my personal bet, best bet. It's Tommy Boy. Um, I mean, people, he's the fucking GOAT. Like, again, his career, 60% ATS. That should be enough. You shouldn't even have to utter, like, if, if everybody truly understood what that meant, you wouldn't have to utter another stat. It wouldn't matter, right? But... There are so many things digging in his career, what he's done so much better than everybody else. And he continues to do it. He's got seven fucking Super Bowls. He went to a new team in COVID. No training camp, no practice. Brand new team. Scuffled for a little bit. Got his shit together. Went and won a Super Bowl. Again. It's incredible. Anybody at this point that doesn't think that Tom Brady's the GOAT or for some reason still wants to argue... You people can just gather your things and just go sit in the corner, and we'll get you when we leave. Just let the adults talk, and we'll come get you. we'll come get you. Y'all just go play for a little bit, okay? All right, and you know he gets us paid, which really makes us love him from a Vegas perspective. We love Tom Brady. He gets us paid six out of ten times every time you bet him, and we bet Tampa Bay plus five thousand on the ticket before he went there. Shut it out on Twitter. All the way back last March, I think it was. And, uh, yeah, he won us 2500 bucks. We bet 50 on it. So we love Tom Brady. Love Tom Brady. All right, we're going to move on now to Super Bowl losers. Um, first of all, looking at the game, it wasn't a good game. Uh, you know, we talked about it in the Degenerate. Tampa Bay was the better team. We said Tampa Bay was the better team. We said Mahomes was going to have to play perfect for Kansas City to win. He did not. They did not. Now, there was a couple of things that really struck me about the game other than that, because that's pretty much what it boiled down to. But one thing is, you know, the media is so ridiculous on what they choose to go after and what they choose to, you know, stand up on a table about. And I don't know when we went in a society, when we went from, I'll say, overly critical, right, to you know, constructive criticism to don't criticize anybody. And if you do, you know, you're a hater, right? You're just a hater. You just hate. You have hate in your heart if you criticize somebody. I don't know when it happened. Uh, I know I don't like it. I don't know. If you think about, like, my grandfather, he was the overly critical generation, right? Nothing, Nothing was ever any good. Nothing was ever good enough. You know, you can never do it right. Just get the hell out of his way. Let him do it, right? Just go sit down. But he never taught you how to do it right, right? He just wanted to be critical of you doing the shit. So that's probably the overcritical generation. 
And my dad, you know, I'd say he did a really good job being uh, giving con constructive criticism, right? Tell me when I'm wrong, but show me how, you know, I should have done it to do it right, but also congratulate me when I win and say I did a good job when I did a good job, right? I think there's a fair and balanced way to go about it. I think it's, you know, helped me be successful in life, and I know it's helped me be successful as a handicapper because as a handicapper, we have to be our own worst critics, right? We have to think about things, say, well, we really thought that was going to matter, and it turned out not fucking matter, and how do we miss it that badly so that we don't miss it again? And again, we have to pay for our mistakes. Unlike a lot of these people that get to come on podcast or go on TV and say all this ridiculous shit that doesn't matter, right? Because at the end of the day, when, when they turn to be wrong, they'll just turn the page to some other ridiculous shit. And, but for us, when we're wrong, we would lose money. So it hurts. If they started charging all these fucking assholes on TV, spewing all this bullshit, they started charging part of their paycheck for every time they got something fucking wrong, you'd probably hear a lot less ridiculous shit and actually start to bring back some of that constructive criticism, I would bet. I'd bet that. I don't know what kind of odds Vegas is giving me, but I'd bet it. Uh, but now, you can't, you can't just be critical of people. Or you can be critical if it's the people that the media wants you to be critical about. If it's not, don't you criticize. That's all I heard. You can't, you can't say anything bad about my home. That's Super Bowl. He did everything right. He was falling down throwing passes. Oh, you can't say anything bad. Why? He wasn't good. And that's two Super Bowls. He hasn't been good. I'm not saying it's all his fault, but he wasn't good. I mean, PFF, I think through his two or yeah, two playoff runs now. No, three. Sorry, three playoff runs. Uh, every other playoff game that's not been a Super Bowl, I think they graded him in 93 which is not surprising that he's the best quarterback in football. And I don't think that's debatable at all, in my personal opinion. I think the kid's the best. Uh, but in the two Super Bowls, his grade is a composite 64 because he's been bad. Now, he was better. I know statistically it's not going to show up. He was better against Tampa Bay than he was against San Francisco. If you go back and rewatch that San Francisco Super Bowl, he was terrible through three and a half quarters. And again... I think the kid's the best quarterback in football. And I sincerely do. But he was terrible through three and a half quarters. If two throws go differently in that game, right, if he doesn't hit the third and 17, I think it was, to Tyreek Hill, you know, on that big over route, which, by the way, all the Kansas City fans bitch moan and complain about the fucking referees, go back and watch the replay of that play. And Tyreek Hill... Hits the big over route, right? And Mahomes is retreating, and he makes a throw that only he can make, which is one of the many reasons why I think he's the best quarterback game, because there's not another. Aaron Rodgers couldn't make, nobody can make that throw. Nobody else could have made that throw. But he makes the throw on the money. But if you watch that play, right before Mahomes gets to let go of that ball, Joey Bosa, or Joey, or. One of the Bosa's boys, I don't think it's Joey. I don't remember his brother's name, plays for San Francisco. He's coming to get him. And the right tackle for Kansas City has his arm hooked under his arm and around his neck and is literally, you know, about to bulldog him to the ground. No holding call. 
and then the biggest turning point play of the game. They call holding there, it's third and 27. I don't think you convert that. Now you give the ball back to San Francisco under eight minutes, you probably don't win the game. But they didn't, and you did, and that's how calls go. Calls go for you, calls go against you. All right, and I don't complain about calls. We had San Francisco last year, didn't work out for us. We had Tampa Bay this year, worked out for us. Both years, got calls against us, calls for us. It all works out in the end, right? Um, but that throw, and then the throw that Jimmy G missed that could have been the coffin nail, the um, big over post route on for Emmanuel Sanders, I believe it was, he just flat out missed him. And Sanders was wide open for a touchdown. So if he hits that throw, that's church there. So two throws go differently, either one of them really. And Mahomes is 0-2 in the Super Bowl with a PFF rating of uh, 64. As opposed to his 93 in every other postseason game. So for all you saying you can't criticize him, yeah, you can. But you need to be fair about it, right? It wasn't all him. He did do his best. He just wasn't very good. I don't know what happened. He started up, you know, moving up in the pocket and doing the things that Mahomes does, right? He ran for two, three first downs that first drive, got him on the board, got him a field goal. He was doing his Mahomes thing, right? Making, you know, chicken shit out of chicken salad or chicken salad or chicken shit. Yeah, that's how it goes. <laughs> he was doing his thing. But then somewhere, somewhere right around the third quarter, he just went full tectard on us and... Started doing loop-de-loops and Tim Tebow shit in the back. And I don't know what the fuck he was doing. That's not how they teach quarterbacks to scramble at all. That's There's no drill for that. That That's not a thing. So, I don't know. But the other question mark on that to me from that game that I took away was like, because everybody blamed the offensive line. I'm like, it's not the offensive line's fault. They were backups. They're backups for a reason. Because they're not starters, which means they're not as good as the people starting. So if you know that as a coaching staff, where was your adjustments, right? And everybody's media darling, right? Fat-ass Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. You know, everybody loves to dote on Andy Reid. Oh, he's just a little fat guy. He loves cheeseburgers and diabetes or whatever he says. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Um that guy, you know, he's got no answers. And, you know, this was pointed out to me. I didn't notice it, but he didn't even have a clipboard in his hand. You know, usually he has the play sheet. He didn't even have that. Now, as you all know, now, you know, Andy Reid's son was in an accident that I guess he got drunk and almost killed a kid. I think the kid's coming out of it now, thank God. Um, and I'm sure that was weighing on his mind, I think. I mean, you have to be almost inhuman for it not to be weighing on your mind, but... He showed up to the game. So if you come to the game, if you come to work, then you got to work. Like if you call your boss and say, hey, man, I can't make it in. I've got this. I've got that. I, there's no, I'd be no asset to the company right now. Your boss's only move is say, okay, take, take the time you need. Because otherwise, what are we doing? But he didn't do that. He showed up. And if you show up to work, you got to be at work, you know. So that's not, an, I'm not giving him an excuse for that at all. If he would have not shown up to the game, I would have totally got it. But, you know, all I hear about, too, on the other side is, 
oh, it's, you know, Eric Bieniemy does 90% of the play calling. Eric Bieniemy is this, and he should be a head coach. And why doesn't he get a head coach? And blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, if any of that's true, and I don't know, but any of, if any of it's true, and your you know, head coach is basically mentally incapacitated, I mean, it's an old saying I've tried to live my life by. is like, when, when in charge, take charge. So Eric Bieniemy, you're up, bud. Like, take charge. It's your offense. You do the play calling. You got to make adjustments. You, I mean, I wouldn't even wait for Andy Reid at that point. If he's mentally not there, make the adjustment. Go talk to Pat. See what's working. You know, fix it, right? But they did nothing for four quarters. Nothing. And I've heard no criticism about either one of those guys. Because those aren't guys that you can criticize. Right? Those aren't guys you can criticize. Whatever. Anyway, so, from Super Bowl losers, everybody says, oh, if you lose the Super Bowl, nothing's going to go right for you next year. You, you know, those teams are out of it. They're out of it. That's that's the perception, right? And if you looked at San Francisco this year, you know, that's pretty accurate. And if you looked at uh, the Rams year before, again, fairly accurate. But I decided to do a little research, so I went back through 20 years of Super Bowl losers. 20 years. And first and foremost, you know, Super Bowl losers are 148 and 167 ATS against the spreads. That's 47%. So in general, they obviously get overvalued by the market coming back. Everybody wants to bet on the bounce back, bet on the comeback, right? It's always the better story, so it's definitely a better idea to fade Super Bowl losers than tell them. But there has been success, so we wanted to find out where has the success come from. So if you look at 10 of the 20 Super Bowl losers, they've actually made the playoffs the next season. That's 50%. And those 10 teams that made it were actually 83 and 74 ATS, so that's 53%, which is not great margin, but it is definitely profitable. The other 10 teams, however... Or 65 and 93. That's 41%. That's losing your ass. That's terrible. Definitely got to stay away from those teams. So, you know you can have success as a Super Bowl losing team. Half of them make it, and they're profitable. So, how do we find that half and make money, and how do we determine if Kansas City is going to be in that half, right? Well, I'd actually have to dig too deep to find this one, or find the correlation, because of those 10 teams... Uh, two of them were quarterbacked by Tom Brady. Two of them were quarterbacked by Peyton Manning. One by Kurt Warner. One by Russell Wilson. One by Big Ben. So seven out of the ten Super Bowl losing teams to make the playoffs were quarterbacked by Hall of Famers or future Hall of Famers. That's a pretty simple one to figure out. Uh, another one was quarterbacked by Matt Ryan. He's going to be borderline Hall of Fame. Right, borderline. Pretty good. Borderline. We'll see if he gets there or not. He probably will. Uh, it's debatable. And then there's two outliers. There's uh, Matt Hasselbeck and Colin Kaepernick, right? So to summarize, eight out of the ten teams that lost the Super Bowl but made the playoffs the next year had Hall of Fame quarterbacks or very close to it. Well, Mahomes has a good feeling to be a Hall of Fame quarterback, right? So I feel good about Kansas City making the playoffs and even having good ATS success next season. And you look at how far can they go, right? Well, in those 20 years, four Super Bowl losers have won their division the next year. Uh, two of those were 
quarterback by Brady, one by Peyton, and one by Kurt Warner. So all three Hall of Fame quarterbacks. So that still kind of fits with Mahomes, right? You should still feel optimistic, even though it's not as likely that it happens as just getting the playoffs. If he's truly going to be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, which it certainly looks that way, you've got to be optimistic right there, right? And then championship games, making it there, it's happened twice. Tom Brady, you know, the GOAT. And the Super Bowl, one time. So the team that lost it made it back to the Super Bowl one time, and that same team actually won it. And yeah, it was Tom Brady. So, to summarize, can Kansas City make the playoffs? Most definitely they can, and I do expect them to. Can they win their division? Absolutely they can. Now, it's not as likely as just getting the playoffs, but, I mean, they got Patrick Mahomes. Can they win the Super Bowl? Well, there's only ever been one guy that's done it, and he's the GOAT. So, not very likely on that. Now, you might be sitting there saying, hey, fuck you, buddy. Mahomes is the fucking new goat. Fuck Brady. If Brady could do it, Mahomes could do it too. Yeah, you might be right. You might be right, right? But here's the lesson in all this. You're not going to get the value of it, even if he does, if you bet him now. So we told you it's happened one time in 20 years where a team has lost the Super Bowl and then went and won the Super Bowl. So that's a 5% chance of it happening 5% probability well Vegas has Kansas City at a 5 to 1 right now to win the Super Bowl that's 16.67% probability they're charging you at so for something to happen probable 5% of the time they're charging you over triple for it to happen that is not value that is the opposite of value that's price gouging is what that is now you might be on the Tampa Bay side say, hey, it's Tom Brady. He's going to repeat. That's what he does, right? Well, that's only happened once in 20 years also. And yes, it was Tom Brady that did it. But still, 1 in 20, that's a 5% probability. Right now, Vegas is charging you 6 to 1 on Tampa Bay. That's 14% probability. It's a little bit less of a screwing up front. A little less than a third. But it's still, you're getting. it's a total screw job. And not to mention the fact... All the fucking, you know, hidden big. I mean, the literal odds of any team winning the Super Bowl every single year is 3%. That is your odds straight up, right? Now, it gets weighted because every team is not going to, doesn't really have the same chance. And we're not stupid, right? I mean, I know fans are fans, but even Lions fans know what the fucking score is most of the time. (laughs) You know, I mean, some of them will still, you know, try to trick themselves, but they know. So, bad teams are out, but let's just say, for example, this. Let's say that I told you there were 10 teams that could legitimately win the Super Bowl right now as we sit here today in February through whatever whatever chance, right? Somebody, I don't, I don't want to put this up, but somebody gets hurt, right? Somebody, you know, there's a situation, whatever gets suspended, whatever. Through all different kinds of circumstances, let's just say there's 10 teams in a bubble. Any one of those 10 teams could walk away with a Super Bowl. I would think that's fair, right? I think that's a fair number, 10 teams. So, if that sounds reasonable to you, that's 9% probability on any team in those 10 teams. But, 
you're going to charge me double that, basically, for the best team? So even if I got it down to just 10 teams, all I could bet was 10 teams. I could pick any one of the 10, but you're going to charge me double that, double the actual probability for what you deem the best team. Like, Jesus Christ, bookies, they suck. They suck, right? And that, But that's how they make all their money. So you have to learn how... You know, they overcharge you and why they overcharge you for that, right? So the biggest lesson on betting futures on the Super Bowl because of the value prospect is you've got to find, you know, your longer shot value odds, which we'll go over in a second. And if you want to bet Kansas City and you want to bet Tampa Bay, like you're just that big of a chalk eater, just do this. Just wait. Wait till it gets into the season. Wait, we're have a, I think we'll have a little preseason this year. Wait till the first couple of injuries happen, right? Somebody, you know, some not Brady or Mahomes, obviously, but some ancillary person that people think is really important goes down. They're not that important. Your odds will go up. Say, you know, Kansas City does have a little bit of a Super Bowl, Super Bowl hangover. They get off to a four and three start, which is absolutely possible. They're still not going to be five to one. Then you'll get Kansas City closer to ten to one which is your actual, right, 9% probability there or thereabouts. Now, you, now you've got real value. Now you've got real value. So we wait till week 6, 7, when it looks kind of dicey. I mean, as long as Mahomes is on two legs, you're going to be fine with your money. They're going to go to the play. I think they're going to go to the playoffs. I think they'll be right back in it, right back in the mix to be in it. So, but just wait. Do not bet them at 5-1. to one. There's no value on that at all, not even a little bit. So, looking ahead of next year, we're looking for value. Like I said, we got Tampa Bay at plus 5,000, not just because Tampa Bay was rumored, or Tom Brady was rumored to go there. It's not the only reason we bet it. Uh, he was rumored to go several places, but we knew that Tampa Bay was a net positive team in our power rankings in 2019, which means they were slightly better than average before Tom Brady got there. So now we're going to get an above-average team that adds the GOAT, at 50 to 1, they could possibly have the goat at 50 to 1. Great value there, big payoff for us. Now you got to get lucky, you know, for sure. We definitely got lucky, but, you know, never forget this. The definition of luck is when preparation meets opportunity, right? Ever meet that motherfucker that's like, everything ever, ever happened to him was bad luck? You get screwed out of everything. Oh, I had this and so and so screwed me out of that. Oh, I had that, and this happened. Oh, I got the worst luck. I've got the worst luck. No, you're just a lazy piece of shit that's never prepared for life to fucking come at you. That's that's what the fuck you are. There's no bad luck. There's no bad beats. All that shit. You're either prepared when fortune smiles on you, or you're not. And if you are, you take advantage of it. You know, you generally win more than you lose. And if you're not... You sit around and make fucking excuses and tell the same goddamn stories that none of us want to fucking hear, by the way. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh, my God. What is wrong with me today? Anyway, uh, so be prepared for good data, right? And get on the best sides. And maybe you get lucky. Last year we did. It paid off for us. So maybe this year we'll get lucky again. So as I took a deep dive in the last 10 years and who makes the playoffs and who doesn't from a DVOA perspective... Uh, you know, how I approached 
It was I took the number playoff spot, so 12 every other year, so this year was 14. And I broke it down for how many teams that were ranked in the top 12 to 14 this year in DVOA rushing offense, passing offense, that made the playoffs, and how many won the Super Bowl. I did the same thing in defense, but wasn't the data wasn't as indicative of success, which I'll go over a little bit in a second. So naturally, you would think that to be in the top 12, you need to be in the top 12 in rushing and passing to win the Super Bowl. Not really. Now, five out of the 10 teams were in both, but five out of 10 teams were not that won the Super Bowl. But here's the one exception. There's only been one team in the last 10 years that was not in the top 12 of either rushing or passing DVOA offense that won the Super Bowl. That was the 2015 Broncos, wherein Peyton was just about dead. And I still to this day don't know how they won that Super Bowl because their offense was putrid, but they did. So sorry to all the Manning fans out there. I know y'all are the ones always like to say Brady's defense drug him to the Super Bowl. He never been, had to be drugged like that. In fact, nobody's ever been drugged like that. So, anyway. Um, other than them, you have to be top 12 in rushing or pass. You got to be top 12 in one of them to, get to, the Super, to win the Super Bowl. So, all other nine have been at least one. Now, as far as the breakdown, if you finish top 12 in rushing, you made the playoffs 60% of the time. 40% of the of the other time. So if you didn't make top of 12, that's when it was 40%. If you were in the top 12, it was 60%. Seven out of the last 10 Super Bowl winners have finished top 12 DVOA in rushing. Three did not. So if you break that down, basically, you're one and a half times more likely to make the playoffs and a little over two times more likely to win the Super Bowl if you have a top 12 offensive rushing DVOA. On passing DVOA, if you finished top 12, you made the playoffs 66% of the time. 34% if you didn't. Eight out of the last 10 Super Bowl winners did finish top 12 in passing DVOA. So in summation, you're almost twice as likely to make the playoffs and four times as likely to win the Super Bowl if you finish in top 12 rushing, or sorry, top 12 passing DVOA offense. So, not surprisingly, passing DVOA should be weighted a little heavier than DVOA when you're considering your future bets, but it's not extreme, but it is a little bit heavier. Now, if we move on to defense, there's only five out of the last 10 Super Bowl winners have had a top 12 DVOA defense. So the new school thought that, you know, defense isn't necessarily as important as offense definitely holds true here. Uh, 70 to 80 percenters, Super Bowl winners on the offensive side, depending on the metrics, only 50% uh, winners on the defense. So that's that's pretty indicative on how football has gone. Now you could say it's the rules, you could say, you know, it's just the way the game is now. I don't I think it's the rules and the athleticism, the skill, all that kind of stuff. It all kind of molds into its molds into one. But defense definitely is not as important. Now you can't have a terrible defense. So if you look at the Super Bowl average winning defense, it's eleventh in DVOA over the last decade, right? Um, and two of those were ranked 19th. That's the worst ranking, that which was Brady in 2018. You know, the guy that gets drugged by his defense. And Flacco in 2012. Flacco, take that, Ray Lewis. Flacco, drug your sorry ass at your last Super Bowl. I'm just kidding, Ray. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
Every other defense was at least above average, though. So defense does matter. It's just the extent of the threshold is not... The extent of the threshold for being great is not as much as it was for the offense to win the Super Bowl. If that makes any sense. Um, so now that we know those parameters, we're looking for teams that weren't quite there last year. Rogers are looking for value, but realistically can make that jump this year and are good values. The first team that I look at that pops out to me is Tennessee, right? So Tennessee was actually uh, fourth in passing and second in rushing. The offense not the problem. It's the defense. 29th DVOA defense. I told you, you can't have a terrible defense. You have to be great. It can't be terrible. Now, Vrabel's defensive coach. He knows what he's got to do. He's got to get a pass rush. He's got to fix that defense. So if you're putting faith in them to fix one element of their team, I've got the most faith in him fixing that. Now, the caveat to this one is Henry could fall off a cliff at any moment. I think last year statistically was the time he should have, but he just didn't because the dude's a freak. But they're plus 3,300. And if you think if they can get that metric from from 29th to, um, like we said, about 16th to 18th, somewhere in there, they're not that far off. And, in fact, last year, Tennessee, you're looking at the power rankings now. Yeah, they finished seven, three, four points behind Tampa Bay. So, four points back, that's, you know, that's something you can make up with some, with some improvement on the defense for sure. Uh, now, I like the Rams. I got them at plus 18. I like that better. Now they're down at 1,200. That's a little lot on the value for me. But the reason why I bet them at 1,800 is because, if you, again, if you look at their stats, they had the rushing, fourth. They had the defense, fourth, 20th in the pass. So remember, you only have to have one of the two to get to the Super Bowl. And they were, you know, they hung in there with Green Bay. They weren't that far away from beating Green Bay. They could have been in the NFC Championship game last year. So if they improve the passing, which is what McVay thinks that he did by getting Stafford, I don't know. I'm not a coach. I'm not an X's nose guy. If if that man thinks that Stafford's an upgrade over golf and he's willing to do what they did to do it, I got to trust that that's going to fix that 20th ranked DVOA offense. So that's got to put them in the mix to me to go to the Super Bowl. Now, again, at 1,800, I liked it better than 1,200. So I'd probably wait on it at this point, but I did go ahead and bet them. Um, and they were only three points behind Tampa Bay in our power rankings. So better team than Tennessee by a full point. And again, they weren't that far away from beating Green Bay last year. And that was with golf with a broken thumb and all the stuff. So, I don't think they're that far off. Uh, next team is Indy at plus 2,500. I love this team. I love this value. So if you look at Indy last year, 16th in passing on uh, DVOA, 12th in rushing, so just beating the rush, just getting in there, 8th in defense. So they're pretty solid all the way around. I have to think that Wentz is an improvement over Rivers. He was a below-average quarterback last year. Now, I don't know that, and that is a gamble. Right? That's why they're plus 2,500. But if you can just get 80% of what Carson Wentz was, I think that's better than what you got at Rivers last year. Um, I love their coach. I love their GM. I love the way they build their team. I think they're doing pretty much everything right up there in Indy. I really like them. They were only about three points behind Kansas City in our power rankings last year. I think this one's doable. I really like that bet. I looked at some of the young guns and the dart. They're, they're all three dart throws to me. 
talk about Tua, uh, Kyler, and um, the kid in L.A., Herbert. And looking at the dart throws on that, I like the dart throw it on the Chargers the best. Uh, they're down to 2,800. I actually bet them at 33 plus 3,300. Um, it is my biggest dart throw. They have the furthest to go. I don't have a lot of faith in it, but if you look at their underlying stats, they were 7th in passing DVOA, 20th in defense. they got to get better there, but they were 31st in rushing. Running the ball is the easiest thing in the world to fix in football. Like Running the ball and stopping the run are two of the easiest things in the world to fix. You just got to commit to it, practice it, and you pretty much can get it done. So that's the reason why that's my best start throw. If you look at um, the other two young guns in Miami, which they were 18th in pass, 23rd in run, 11th in defense. I I don't really like that, and I don't like Tua. I didn't like Tua coming out. I don't like Tua now. Now, I did place a bet on Miami, (laughs) if I'm being honest, because I think that that might be where Watson ends up. I bet them last week. Uh, I think I got them at plus 2,800. I think that's right. And I haven't heard that from anything solid, but then today, just before I came on here, I saw a couple tweets about Miami showing up now in the Watson series, or sweepstakes. If that happens, I am really, really uh, confident I might be doing the money dance again. Uh, on Miami because I love Brian Flores. I think he is, I know he's one of the best coaches in football. His trend line is going up so fast and such a good pace. It It's tremendous. And I love everything they're doing down there except for drafting Tua, which I don't think he was a part of. In fact, I think he didn't care for it so much that he talked them into letting him start Tua so that he can show them that he probably is not the dude. I really think that that's how far ahead this guy's thinking. Uh, I love Flores. I think he's the Belichick disciple that's going to work out. I like a lot of what they're doing down in Miami. So if Watson goes there, I love my bet. If he doesn't, then I just pissed away my money. But uh, in Arizona, you know, people talk about their their defense was 10th last year in DVOA. Problem's the offense. Passing 14th, rushing 17th. They're not improving. Kyle Murray's not improving. Coach Bro's not improving. I'm not surprised. I'm not a Coach Bro fan. I've made no bones about that on the FGH podcast from day one. Um, I don't know. I, I have no faith in that situation whatsoever. So they're out for me. Now, I have a couple of the usual suspects that I don't care for. Minnesota. Uh... You look at Minnesota, 11th in pass, 6th in rush, and 18th in defense. That right there is recipe for Super Bowl winner. Why don't I like them? Well, they weren't any good with that last year. How much better are they going to get? Is Kirk Cousins going to get better at throwing the ball? No. He's all right at it. Is Dalvin Cook going to get better at running the ball? No. He's already fucking awesome. I mean, honestly, what running back would you want more than fucking Dalvin Cook? I don't know. I really can't name one. The dude's, he does fucking, he's amazing. And their defense being 18th, they were old. You know, they're trying to get better. They're young. They might get better. But again, defense, improvement on defense does not make as big a jump as we just showed you. It's not that big of of a component. So if they already had the mix to do it and they couldn't even win eight games or make the playoffs, 
I'm fucking out. I'm out. Uh, Cleveland, another one. Uh, last year, again, 10 uh, passing, 7 the rushing, but 25th defensively. Now, they can make improvements in defense, and then they would be right there. However, again, if defense is really what you need to improve, you know, to get there, and you weren't really ever in it, I don't know. It's not a lot of uh, – and, again, I look back at our power. Our power rank is really what's scaring me off on that, to be honest with you. For them to just barely be above average – they they kind of outshoot the, shot their skis and so usually those teams you see them fall back down the next year historically is what we've seen so that's really the bigger reason why I'm out on Cleveland and then Baltimore again 17 in passing third in rushing tenth in defense they're not going to get any better defensively even if they do it's not going to matter rushing I mean how much better you want to be than third you can be first I guess is it really going to make that big a difference no and 17th in passing. Is Lamar Jackson going to get better at throwing the ball? He hasn't shown that he will so far. You know, his shoulders have gotten bigger, right? He worked on his lats and stuff. All these other guys, Dak Prescott's out there completely changing his throwing motion. By the way, if you haven't done that, go look at Dak Prescott's throwing mutton. Not when he's running around throwing with both feet in the air doing the splits, which I don't know why he does that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why he does that. I don't know how the fuck he does it. But I'm talking about from in the pocket. Watch that dude throw the football his rookie year and then go watch film of him doing it this last year. It's not even the same dude. It's not even the same dude. He is, his throwing motion is completely different. He is so much more fluid, so much more compact, uh, so much more efficient, and so much more accurate. I mean, you can tell that man has put in the fucking work that it takes to play in this league. And Lamar has shown no signs of that. I'm not saying he's not working hard. He's just not working right. You know, there's a difference. There's a difference. And he's, somebody's got to tell him to work right. He's trying to take on more, get bigger, he can take more hits. He needs to work on his throwing motion and get more accurate. And I don't think he's going to, so therefore I can't bet on them. Uh, let's see. I do like the Bills, but plus 1400 seems a little expensive to me. I'm going to wait until Josh Allen airmails a few into the seats this preseason, which he's bound to do, uh, to see if I can get them closer to that 20 to 1, uh, which if I get them there, I love them. I love them. Uh, last year, if you look at Buffalo, third in passing, 12th in defense, so both those are fine. 22 in rushing, again, you only have to be one or the other. But if they could get more efficient running the ball so that Josh Allen doesn't have to throw it 30 to 40 times a game, because I think we saw in the playoffs, or I know we did, what you're going to get, like his greatest seasons that kid had, he's still... The same things that plagued him since he was in you know, high school are still plaguing him now, right? Still slow to make decisions. He's still a little bit inaccurate. Like, his completion percentage is way up there, but if you watch him throw the ball, he misses a lot of easy throws too, right? So if you make that dude throw it 35, 40 times a game, you're not going to get the best results out of him. So they got to get more efficient running the ball. They can't just say, hey, go throw it 40 times and run it 10 times and have him carry them all the way to the Super Bowl. I don't like that. So they got to get better there, and I don't like it at 14-1. to But if it gets to 20-1, to I really, really like that value there for Buffalo. All right. So, that was uh, pretty much it. The recap, so to recap, losing the Super Bowl is not a death sentence. 
right? As long as you have a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback, <laughs> you can't be uh, you can't be you know some of these Jake Delomes and uh, you know these Jags that just get there one time. You'll never see it again. You'll just never see it again. Uh, but they do. They got Mahomes, so there's definitely good good hope in Kansas City. Uh, you never bet favorites to win the Super Bowl preseason because you'll never get true value, right? 5% probability, and, you know, you're getting charged almost 17% right now. Terrible, terrible value. And when you're looking at futures and projecting teams, offense outweighs defense, right? Offense outweighs defense in the modern day of football. So as long as the defense is around league average, right, or a little maybe a little bit better, you're, you're fine. So if you're projected through your numbers, you're reading magazines, you're doing whatever you do, right, to, to do your preseason stuff, your offense has got to be top 12 in one of those two categories. So you got to project them in there. And your defense has got to be around league average. Got to be around league average. Average, like I said, average winning Super Bowl defense was 11th, but there was a couple of 19ths in there. So if it's around 16, you're projecting around 16, you're going to be doing just fine. And last but not least, Tom Brady's a fucking goat. He's the fucking goat. Oh, man. So happy you won number seven. I'm so happy you won number seven. <laughs> All right, boys and girls, that was it for episode three of I Mean It. I hope it was informative. I hope you followed it all, and I hope that I didn't ramble too goddamn much. It's his Longhorn's fault for not being here and keeping me on fucking track. But anyway, talk to you boys and girls later, closer to the draft. We'll see you. Yeah. If I ever said I'm never scared.